Okay, guys, welcome to Living Extraordinary. This is my, um, I'm Nikki Milnick, and this is my guest, Wendy. Where are you going? Do you, do you want to go by Wendy Whiteman or? That's, yeah, that's my given name. That's I never right. changed it. That's what I came in with. That's what I'll go out with. Yes. And um, so, yeah, okay. So basically we met about a year and a half ago in Taos, New Mexico at a, I guess you would call it a, it was kind of like this cool, it was called a new moon meditation, but what it really was, was like a, a conversation about like positive ways to like, 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 let's talk about positive aspects in which the world's going to change. And um, that's like, it was like a really cool little, there was probably what, 10 of us, something like that. Yeah. And I was, I introduced myself as a star seed just cause I felt like it that day. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, thank you for your honesty and your bravery to stand up and actually introduce yourself as one to the rest of the group. They probably didn't know what you meant, but I sure did. <laughs> uh, like they had no idea. And it's not like I do that every day. It's not like something I go like, you know, to the grocery store. Hey, how are you, Mary? My it must have is... been for my benefit. So I thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was cool. So anyway, we became, we became fast friends and, uh, here we are a year and a half later, still talking all the time about still talking, still talking. And yeah. I recognized you as a starseed. It was, it was very refreshing to see someone of your age come into the group because the group had pretty much been a lot of older people who knew that these changes were coming, but we all came from different <clears throat> avenues as to why these changes were happening. So it was nice uh, to see a young, fresh face come in that was still very knowledgeable you know, on, on a higher level of what was going on. So I was like, yeah, thank you. Okay. So like starseed real quick, like, uh, uh, how do you do, like, what's your definition of, of what, what does that mean to you? Um, I think we've come up with an awful lot of labels, mm -hmm. uh, which is okay because it's how we communicate and it's how we talk, you know, man, woman, girl, boy, baby, we have to have these labels um, as long as we don't take them too seriously because we know we're all changing all the time. And I probably see myself more as a wanderer because I've always been a student of the law of one. And I really think that the law of one uh, has a lot more truth to it than many of the other channelings. I'm not, I'm not big on channelings, but that one really resonated with me from the first time ever. So um, you mean like the law of know, one, like channeled by Raw? Like yes, that? channeled yeah. by Raw and Carla. Yeah. So I probably, if I'm going to find a label, I would, I would call myself a wanderer. But the starseed part comes in because I remember home for me as the Pleiades. So many people find home in many different constellations. And uh, I mean... Since I was a very young child, I mean, the stars and the Pleiades was something that I felt connected to and would look up to. And I remember asking my parents when I was about 10 or 11 what that particular constellation was. And of course, they didn't know which one I was pointing to. So they got out a map and showed me a map of, of what the constellations were, and then it was very easy to point at it. And they were not up to speed on the Pleiades or any of the other ones. But I remember that at about the age of 11, 
uh, as being the first time that I was interested in a very specific location in the sky. And then that came back uh, as a theme throughout my life. It would come and go and come and go. And even if I just sit down and, and get quiet and ask myself, you know, if there's a physical spot that my soul or spirit has come from, where is that? And it's always the same thing. It's always going to be the Pleiades. So um, probably everybody's a star seed. I think if you've incarnated during this time period here on Earth, and I think we're going to find out eventually through science and more studies on DNA that everybody is a star seed because we're all going to find out that through our DNA, we all have extraterrestrial DNA. And um, Emory Smith has talked about that an awful lot. So if people are interested in, in DNA and how we are related to um, off-Earth entities, you know, check out his work. So a starseed for me um, is almost a level of consciousness. I think that's what I would have to put it. Because I think someone who realizes that there's something different about themselves uh, and they hear the word starseed or they hear the word wander or something goes off in them and they feel connected to it. And it's almost like uh, it's the stimulus that gets them to wake up and they go starseed, starseed. Because when I first heard that term starseed, it was like, I didn't know what it meant, but I was totally there. Oh yeah, I, I didn't either. Like, in fact, like um, I, it was in 2011 and I, uh, I heard a voice like, over the course of like four months, say in into my head, like like I was a crazy person. Um, it said, "You're a star seed. You're a star seed," um, and I was like, "What?" And I was googling, and at that point in 2011, there wasn't that much like Google. Like Google took me to a test: "Are you a star seed?" And I was like, "What?" And so I did this test, and it was like, "Yes, you are." And, um, but I was like, what does that mean? Like, what do you do with that? Even if you are like, what, you know, where are you supposed to do that? And my, now my like evolved understanding of it, even though that's kind of an uninvolved term sometimes, but, um, is more or less that, I mean, yeah, I do think we're essentially, I basically think we're all one and, you know, we're God or we're the source of everything trying to figure itself out or whatever. But I think that the, I do sort of resonate with the whole, I think I intentionally manifested or intentionally incarnated at this time to, uh, uh, and I actually have memories of being um, like a giant lion uh, that's like a person, like, which I guess like people sometimes identify as Lyran, even though that name doesn't really do anything for me, but like a giant lion thing does. And I'm not obsessed with lions. It's not like I see a lion at the zoo and I'm like, oh, I love lions. It's just, I have the memory of being inside the body of one, which is, um, and then I also have uh, like another one of, uh, I think I was from Sirius or I think I have something to do with, um, Orion and Syria or Sirius star Sirius so um I uh, and I I think that we've all been many 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 things before this um and I just sort of think that earth is like uh, like a really bad kid that's touching a stove and we came to help yes <laughs> yeah I think I would agree with everything that you've just said that you know, if you want to go into another definition of starseed, it would definitely be someone who, who answered a call, 
um, to come here and help at this particular time. They probably had choices to go many other places, but this is the one that resonated. Or they have a DNA connection to the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, so they feel an obligation to come back here and to continue to help the evolution of planet earth. Um, you know, I, again, I can go back to this day when I was 11 years old because it was probably one of many uh, awakening stimuluses for me as to remember who I was because we all come in uh, amnesia with an amnesia. Yeah. yeah. Not remembering why we're here. And then eventually little by little, you know, if, if this is your mission, you're going to remember you had past lives or um, there's life out there that we can't see, but it exists. And for me at 11, um, I had moved to the country and we were on a farm and that's when I started to be able to have animals. So I had horses and I had pigeons and I was given the responsibility of taking care of other things now at, at 11. And then we had a huge garden. So plants came around and taking care and tending the garden and watching these plants grow. So, you know, it was a big point in my life when I started to realize that um, everything that existed was living and growing and changing and that there was a purpose and a mission. And uh, I remember sitting on top of my pigeon coop at 11 years old, watching my pigeons fly all over because I let them. I didn't want to hold them back. And uh, just knowing that I had some kind of a special mission, and, and I used those words to myself, I have a special mission. And then I thought, why do those pigeons keep coming back? You know, I'm setting them free, but they just keep coming back. I didn't have an answer for that one. So I asked my father and my father said, it's because you feed them. <laughs> so he was very practical, you know, he says, right. why would they go anywhere else? You give them food and you give them housing and you give them nesting materials. They're going to keep coming back, you know? So, um, in my, my interest in extraterrestrial life was at a very early age also. And I had no one to really talk to about that. Um, every once in a while, there would be some kind of special program on TV that was about extraterrestrials. And, and I remember at one time we watched uh, that one of those very first movies. God, it was like back in the 50s. I can't remember the name of it right now. But it was about uh, a landing. It, no, it wasn't the Twilight. I did watch the Twilight Zone. I loved it. You know, if anything was about anything unusual, I was there. I liked it. I was not the typical kid. Yeah, me too. I was always a big sci-fi fan. And I was lucky that I was born into a family that was a big sci-fi uh, uh, thing. But I, I also had the, the isolation feeling from a very... Um, mine was more like I... Well, I, I did see my first... Um, being that I always remember, I never forgot it. Um, I had a, a big being come into my room when I was 10 and um, like comforted me and then like, and, and picked me up and put me in bed and like cooed and stayed with me for the whole night. And I don't actually like remember, it was very dark. So I don't actually remember what it looked like, but I know it had wings and I know it was like big, like 10 feet taller, like almost head almost touched the ceiling of the house and it was like, and it made a cooing noise, like almost like a bird. So, um, 
yeah i don't i i don't know i like uh some people are like are you saying you saw a blue avian when you were 10 and i'm like i don't know i don't know exactly what i saw i just know that at that point it was like i like my reality was like okay so this isn't what we're told this is and this doesn't match anything that any that like there was no reference for me there was nothing for me to talk to anybody about with it you know and then i also had this strange ability as a kid where whether it was true or not it was true to me and i still believe now even as a 36 year old adult that it's true was was i had the ability to control the the rain like i could manip i could if it was raining i could make it rain harder i could make it stop i could trace out where i wanted lightning to go i could call in clouds i could call in storms like it was almost like a form of like how you would call a puppy or something like i I had like a connection in my brain where I could literally talk to it. And, and, and I would tell like my mom this and my siblings, they're like, you are crazy. But so I, so I learned real early, you know, to shut my mouth and that like, it was, I wasn't going to really have anybody to um, bounce that kind of stuff off of. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, now it's great. It's like weird that all of a sudden now it starts coming out where you're kind of like, okay, wait, maybe you actually aren't crazy because a lot of people are having a lot of really similar experiences. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I really had my, my first spiritual awakening that got me on this alternative lifestyle path, I would say probably around 1983. And it very much was connected to Shirley MacLaine's first book, Out on a Limb. And I think that Shirley MacLaine and writing that book probably really was a stimulus for a lot of people to wake up. But when I read that book, it was as if it was giving me permission to go out and uh, really pursue my own life the way I wanted to. Because I saw her as uh, the movie star, an important person, and here she is writing in this book, things that most people would take as pretty crazy. You know, uh, she talked about ETs and she talked about sitting in hot springs in Peru and blue lights uh, and psychic experiences. But she will say that that experience changed her life. And that's why she wrote the book. So after I read that book, it took me to my first new age bookstore in Richmond, Virginia. And while I was there, um, I, you know, I was coming in, totally naive to anything that was metaphysical or new age. I was coming in as a businesswoman and a wife and a mother and a pretty mediocre middle-class life. But that book just did something. So I went to the metaphysical bookstore and that's when I started meeting all of these people that I adored and loved and they changed my life, but I'd never take them home to my mom and dad and husband because <laughs> I would be called yeah. So I kind of kept that part of my life secret, you know, for a number of years. And then um, I just couldn't anymore because that was my life and those were my people. And so I went through my whole midlife crisis and my dark night of the soul and my life changed completely because I left my husband and I left my career. I left all the people I knew. I left all my activities and uh, I really took on this alternate lifestyle which became very focused on my own personal growth and all the big questions who am i where do i come from why am i here and searching 
all the paths that were possible. So that went right into uh, Hinduism and Buddhism and shamanism and uh, Native American ceremony and ritual. And I was just looking and searching. Um, I had been brought up Presbyterian from a very religious family, and it was a necessity that day, and I did it. Uh, but I do remember that at 18, and I went off to college, my father gave me the choice, which was probably one of the biggest gifts he could do. And he said, you're 18 and you're going off to college, and um, it's up to you how you pursue your religion from this point on. And he said, I'm not going to make you go to church anymore. You have to decide whether you want to or not. And I, I was free. I felt such a sense of freedom from that point on. Uh, so I left kind of Christianity behind because uh, it never fit. It didn't fit my soul. It was the box. And I, I really studied deeply so many of the other religions. And each time I would get to a point where I felt like I'm just putting myself in another box. Mm -hmm. And I go to the next one and I'd be there for three or four years. And I go, this is just another box. And I'm more than this. And I'm bigger than this. Um, and I don't want to be held back by any kind of dogma. So I'm not putting them down. They all served me extremely well to get to this point where now I, I, you know, I can't use a label and say, well, I'm a practicing this or that. Um, I've been there and, and did those and I felt like I grew from them, but I feel far more like a wanderer and a star seed than I do uh, anything else. And everything that I learned, you know, from my teachers through all of that, uh, always brought out different aspects of myself. But I'd always get to a point where what was far more important to me was following my own intuition, my own inner guidance, rather than that of a teacher who I truly respected. But there was always something within me that said, you've gone as far as you need to go here. It's time for you to move on now. And um, probably for the last two or three years, you know, I've moved on now to where the only voice I'm going to listen to is my intuition. And I love to talk to people. I love to hear everybody's theories. I'm a researcher. I read. Uh, but they don't have the influence on me anymore that they used to. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it always goes back to how does this feel inside me? And what am I going to do with this information that I have? And um, just before my dad died, and he was, you know, he was very Christian, uh, I asked him, if he had a motto, what would be his most important motto in his life? And he didn't hesitate. And he said, oh, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And um, I would say I had another dark night of the soul about a year ago. And that's when I said, intuition only. You know, make a promise to yourself that for the next year, all your decisions would be made by your intuition. Just try it out. Take responsibility for everything, no matter what happens in this decision by intuition. Take responsibility for what happens. And I came to this conclusion that my dad was right and that the way I can help out most as a wanderer or a sixth density person is to do the very best that I can do. 
which in every single moment with everything that I have available to me that I can pull from, which is also very shamanistic. You, you pull from everything within your environment. So um, to me, that's the most important thing as a wanderer, you know, that we can do. And I, I, I meet other, what I would consider to be six density wanderers. And usually our biggest fear is we feel like we're being seen as, um, oh, more self-involved. Or, or, or like higher, like a, like there's a hierarchy to, or more and more evolved souls or something. Yeah. Exactly. And that way you spend so much time on yourself and it's like, yeah, we are, <laughs> but that is what we're supposed to be doing because we're, we're not only serving others in our daily lives, but we're also serving ourselves through our own evolution and our own growth. Nobody else can do that for us. That's something that each individual has got to do for themselves. And we're not in balance between love and light if uh, we're doing everything for everybody else and we become a martyr. Mm -hmm. There has to be that balance of each part of my day, there is, a, there is a part where I'm doing for others and there is a part where I'm doing for myself. So I have got this balance of love and light. If I get yeah. too far in either direction, I, I do think it, it's it's almost like exampling sovereignty or sovereignty. Yes. That's such a hard word to say, but it that is the perfect word of like you know, uh, it, like your own your spirituality is your own personal. That that's like I, I I've always thought um, this whole like if you try to get somebody to be like what you are or to think like you think or do I mean you're no better than the thing that you're you're trying to get them away from. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, there's a, there's, there'll be a whole group of wanderers who are very drawn to helping people. You know, they're the, the healers. They want to use what they have available. Maybe they're going to be a massage therapist or they're going to be a Reiki or they're going to be an herbologist. And they're very interested in in the suffering of mankind, more on a physical basis. And then I think you've got wanderers who are uh, like myself, where I'm more interested really in, I think my, my mission as a sixth entity is to really bring about disclosure. I think it's, it's that focused for me right now, to bring out the truth because the light's coming, whether we want it or not. Ascension, if you want to use that word ascension, is coming whether you want it or not. It's, an, it's a natural evolution of this planet within this star system. We have to do it. It's the planet's growth, and we just happen to be on the planet at okay, this time. So, so, so let's talk about ascension real quick. What's um, from your... What, what's, your like, like what's your thoughts on it, and what do you... What do you what do you, what's your feeling of what's coming, what's happening? Like, what's your, what, like, what, what resonates with you about Ascension? Um, because I definitely will have to say with myself, I, I, I hear things and I'm like, oh yeah, that could, I, 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 I'm on like a big, like, I sometimes I'm like, yeah, there's going to be like a solar flash like this week and it's going to be amazing. And everybody's going to have a realization of their own sovereignty being and like, blah, blah. and then like, sometimes I'm like, oh, it's just, we're going to slowly like, like I have no idea. No. 
evolve. Yeah. So I, I don't actually know which one's going to happen. I, I, I feel it. I feel it both in all ways. So I don't, I don't know. It's interesting to see like, um, well, I don't think we're supposed to know, quite frankly, I right. don't think we're supposed to know. Uh, I think the whole test to be here now is to just increase improving self so that <clears throat> we don't take all this garbage and baggage from third density into fourth density. Uh, and if we knew something like this was coming, we'd either be, you know, kicking and screaming like a lot of people are, or we might get up on our high horse and think that we're already there and we don't have to work very hard and we don't have to do anything. And, and neither one is true. You know, it's, it's, it's an evolution that's going to happen and has happened many, many times, not just to this planet, but to other planets. So I see it as a natural phenomena that I chose to come in and experience, uh, again, to not only help others, but for my own uh, evolution as well. I think it's, it's, it's both for me. It is both for me. And I truly believe that I chose to come here at this time. Um, my life, I really can't think of any part of my life that has been easy. It's been extremely difficult. Um, but the older I get and the more that I learn how to move with these difficulties, that's my own personal evolution. And then maybe by moving through it, I have some experience where I can come back and, and tell others, you know, I went through that and, and this is what I did and maybe this will help you out. Um, ascension, again, it's kind of like the starseed term. It's been thrown around so much and we have so many people jumping in and giving their opinions of what it is and how is it going to work and when is it going to happen. And um, I'm not on that bandwagon. Is it, is it going to happen? Yes, I, I truly believe in my heart and soul it's going to happen. When? Haven't the faintest idea. I don't think I'm supposed to know. Because what I do know is what I said before. What is most important is that I wake up every day and just say, I've got to do the best that I can today with what is available to me to use for others and for myself. You know, and that's, so that's my mantra. Um, you know, I mean, David Wilcox, probably the number one person when it comes to what is ascension. He's written so much about it. Mm-hmm and talk about it also. So I'm not with that group. I'm not an insider. I'm just a, I'm a wanderer who is here experiencing everything. And if I can help out, I'll help out. And if I can grow during this period, that's really important to me. Well, and so it's I like, I guess it's one of those things. Of ascension for you. I don't think there, I, I guess it's almost like an event. It's like, I don't even know, I, like, I, I think Ascension is um, like another, for me, it's almost like another word for evolving and evolution. And like, I think, like, I don't think there's an end point. I don't think you ascend to this and then you stop and then that's that and you're there and everything is great. And I think, I, I don't think there's ever a stopping point in time. I think it always goes on and on and on. So it's like, do I think that there's going to be like, like a jump in the DNA or an ever like a, a, a like, you know, like a, a boost, like an event boost. And it's like, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. And I think that might be what I'm here to help for and help with. But if that comes great, if it doesn't great, like I either, either way, or, um, you know, I'm good.
I don't think we have to worry about it, uh, you know, or how is it going to happen? And, you know, there, because there's just so many theories out there, it drives you crazy. You know, some people are just going to die off because they can't handle the, the rays and the vibration and others are going to move to a parallel earth. Uh, that's the craziness that I want to stay away from personally, because it takes me away from my mission. It takes me away from who I am and what I'm doing here and what I'm supposed to be focusing on if I get involved in what is everybody saying and oh my goodness, here's one more theory and here's one more theory. Again, I, I wanna go back to my own intuition. If my intuition says, turn that off for now, Wendy, that's enough. Yeah. You know, I got to do that. You know, and let's get back to center. Let's figure out what can I do tomorrow that's gonna be helpful for everybody. So do I feel there's an ascension? I think it's already started, it's already happening and it's gradual. And um, this year, especially 2019, uh, I think there's going to be huge events. And I think the events alone, where so much that has been hidden for so long is coming out, you know, and that's because the light is just bursting through this darkness. And the truth is coming out through the lies that we've been living here on this planet for thousands of years. That exposure alone is going to change our DNA. That exposure alone of hearing the truth and seeing the light is going to change everything about a human. That right there can be a process of ascension. I feel like my DNA has totally changed just in the last five years. I'm not the same person I was five years ago, physically, mentally, spiritually. You know, I see myself growing. Now I can actually look back and see oh my God, I'm, I'm different physically. My body's going through changes and I'm not really trying to do it. But the DNA is changing. It's changing just from the vibration and the frequency of the earth, uh, how I treat myself, how I think of myself, the people that I surround myself with, garbage in, garbage out, um, all that can change our DNA. So then let's, this, this can lead into the purification aspect. So, uh, and I know that you're, you're big into purification and you have like meth. I mean, like Wendy, like she wrote the book on Sage, like literally she wrote a book on Sage and like cleaning, like, I mean, like how to smudge things. And like, I mean, she knows things about crystals that I've only heard from her. I mean, and she's, you, I remember you telling me about how, like, and I was like, well, who taught you about Sage? And you were like, Sage taught me about Sage. Like I sat with a Sage but so like, let's go into some of that, some purification and um, talk about like how you, how you decide, like how you clear stuff out, okay. like even mentally and spiritually, like how, how you work, how you decide to work with something. Okay. I'm just going to digress one bit so that people know uh, how I got there and where I'm coming from. Cool. Uh, but Back when I lived in Richmond, Virginia, and I walked into and I started meeting all of these people, uh, there was a woman in there that invited me to a sweat lodge. So most of your viewers are going to know what sweat lodges are, so I don't, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, and I went to my first Native American purification lodge or sweat lodge uh, that was run by a very traditional Lakota Sioux man. So he was the first person that really talked to me about purification. Up until that point, you know, typical American person isn't 
talking are concerned about purifying themselves on any level. Uh, you know, to them, purifying is taking a good shower or bath. It doesn't have anything to do with mental, emotional, and spiritual purification. So uh, I felt like I had found home because I wasn't getting my answers from Christianity. I then moved into anything that was Native American. So uh, I was very lucky because back in the 80s when I was going through this, there were a lot of elders uh, that were coming forth and bringing their information out of the native lands and into different areas and bringing these out and educating people, I think, in a good way about what are our traditions and, and what do we believe and how do we take care of the earth and why everything is alive. So I learned a lot about that and it, it changed my whole life and I really followed that native path through sweat lodges, uh, vision quests, supporting Sundance. I never Sundanced because I just felt deep within myself as a woman, it wasn't for me. It was not mm. about me, but I would support people. Uh, the purification lodges, um, I really, really got a lot out of those. And it was an entrance for me into non-ordinary worlds, uh, experiencing spirits, um, altered states of consciousness through drumming. Um, it took me into the Native American church and, and peyote and, and how to work with the peyote, which took me to ayahuasca. So I came into it wide open, uh, which is the best way to do it. And yes, you make your mistakes and you fall down and you get back up and you keep moving on. But as a wanderer, that is what you do. You're here to experience. Uh, you're brave, you're courageous. It's, it's really not about making mistake it's not a mistake it's, it's another lesson on the path and that's how I've always looked at things so that's how I got into it and then I had teachers from Lakota uh, Grandma Twyla Niche um, from the Seneca Reservation in New York was another one and then I finally met my main teacher uh, Elton Thompson who was a Navajo or a Diné and um at that point when I met him, I had already really established a relationship with the sage plant because I had met sage through the sweat lodges. And then I realized that there were a lot of different kinds of sages coming in the lodges depending on the tradition and the, and the leader in the lodge. Uh, but I, my main plant ally became the Artemisia tridentata, which is the sage from New Mexico. And I'm sitting right here now and I'm looking out at thousands of acres of it from my front window. I'm sitting smack dab in the middle of High Mesa Desert. So I've had this plant ally in my life probably since about uh, 1990. Mm. And I've established a true relationship with this, with this plant in that when I really need help, <laughs> that sounds silly, but I can go to a plant and get the help that I need. And it's only because <clears throat> I took this plant on and the plant took me on. Uh, and I don't, I don't, I have no doubts about it. I have no doubts that somehow I'm communicating to this plant and this plant is communicating back to me and literally encompasses me and protects me. And I see that as part of my mission as I'm here and I'm here to purify the world with many other people. I'm not special. I'm here with many other people. 
And part of the ascension process is, is heavy duty purification. Because if we're gonna move from a lower to a higher density, we can't take our garbage with us. It, it needs to be resolved, it needs to be purified, it needs to be cleansed, not just from the physical body, but from our mental thoughts, from our heart, from, uh, from our spirit. Um, you know, I'd say a lot of people on this planet, most of them are, um, are heart sick, spirit sick, more so than the physical illness. You know, we've almost come in in our incarnations with so many past lifetimes on this planet. Or third dimension, which is, this is polarity. Third dimension is all about duality. Yes, and mm-hmm. war. Why wouldn't we be so confused and mixed up when one group is telling us war is good and another group is telling us, oh no, it's, it's not good. You've got Christian religion that says do not kill, but you have your government who says at 18, it's okay to go on out and kill in the name of the United States. Mm-hmm. Somehow, my spirit doesn't get that. That is extremely confusing to me. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people are. And a lot of people are waking up and saying, oh, I, I don't want this polarity anymore. How do we get out of it? We get out of it through the purification. Um, and so you can use lots of things to purify yourself. Your essential oils are good um, on all levels. Your sages are good on all levels. Your resins, your incenses, the plant world really is here to serve us. And that's why we need to take care of it. It's, it's here to serve mankind. It serves animals, it serves insects. It's, it's a server. So we really need to also protect our environment and to protect the sage. Um, purifying on a mental level is really important because we have these memories from our past lifetimes. We have our abuses from past lifetimes, abuses from this lifetime from a lot of people who didn't know better and those who walk a more black evil path who do know better, but they choose a black route. They know exactly what they're doing. And then we get abused by them. Um, We come in as, you know, I really truly believe, you know, innocent little souls who then have to live out these karmic obligations as well as new things that are happening to us. So, if we want to evolve and we want to move through these dimensions, that's a lot to clean up. It's an awful lot to clean up, which is probably why we have so many incarnations. But eventually I think you get to the point where it's just like enough is enough. I'm here this time in this lifetime to clean it up. And you'll know that. I think you'll really know that in your own soul and your own spirit because you change your whole life. I changed everything about my life back in my thirties. And it was all about, cleaning up everything that I knew I had to clean up and then cleaning up stuff that I didn't even know I had to clean up, but it appeared later. (laughs) Uh, You know, and I knew the only way I can help others is to first help myself. A very good shamanic principle, uh, you know, which is um, clean up your own mess before you try to think that you can clean up others' messes because you're not really doing it. You might just be the medium through which a spirit comes through or a medium through which plant medicine comes through, but you still have to be a clean vessel even for that or your message isn't coming out 
in a, in a clean manner. Um, purifying on a, on a spiritual basis, uh, to me, I think after doing everything that I've done, I can bring it down again to, to what it really is all about, is about being a good person to everybody, even those that challenge you. If you're not ready for the challenge, just politely exit and go home and think about why am I not ready for this challenge? There's still something within me that I haven't come to terms with, with that person, you know, and when you can come to terms with it, you can go back to that person, you know, and, and clean the mess up and walk away clean or maybe even as friends, who knows? Um, but, you know, the love and the light isn't going to take the darkness with it. It just isn't. And we don't get to go, I don't think, with a lot of unresolved issues. So, yeah, purify, purify, purify. You know, we're, we're through, and we've had many, many different ages that were about purification ages. And they were always before some period of enlightenment or some period of uh, abundance. And that's where we're going. We are going to go to a period of, of great abundance and great lightness. But if we don't want what we've got here and what we're experiencing, this darkness, we have to resolve it and move on. I don't want to carry it over. Uh, I don't want to mess things up in the next dimension. I'm willing to do the work that I need to do so that if I have the ability to move across over or leave here and go home, which I would really prefer to do, I hope I don't any more incarnations here. I really do. Um, I want a break. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope this is my last incarnation here as well. Yeah, I, I, I want a break. I, I'm ready. I'm ready for a break. And then, you know, let's look at the other missions that are on the plate. Uh, but I probably had a lot of earth incarnations and, and was part of a karmic uh, mess down here. So it's also another reason for coming back is, you know, you think in this lifetime, maybe you didn't do anything, but what about the past lifetimes? Because you were a good guy and a bad guy and a good girl and a bad girl. And you created the mess that we're actually now. Everybody that is alive now has been part of the mess that we are now beginning to experience. We can't sit here and blame our parents and grandparents and people from Europe or, or, or Asia. We're all involved in it. We've all created and now we get to enjoy the mess um, that we made. It's part of our evolution and we're going we're gonna to go on. It's funny because that kind of like reminds me of, okay, I remember how I told you like a like maybe a month ago, how I, I was driving, I, I was like driving down the street in my car and I saw, I sort of like all of a sudden it was as if there was like trace paper in front of my eyes, but I could still focus on the road and I could, I still wasn't going to get in a car or anything, but it's almost as if my third eye opened or something. And I like, I kind of just like knew that I needed to start rebuilding stuff. So I would like take a street lamp and I would like put it down to its base, like the, put the aluminum and the metal down into like little beads of metal and the wire and the copper and the whatever, the glass, the made, I, I just took everything back to its, and I just started like deconstructing everything, like the concrete around me, the signs, the, the, um, the houses, everything. Well, I, I thought that was kind of weird and I, I didn't really understand like what it was. And then last week when I was on the plane, I was, I was uh, looking out the window and it was kind of like that same voice that told me I was a star seed. It was like my own inner thought voice, but it was very clearly like not me thinking it, it was being told to me. And it was like, you're of the builder race, build it. And I was like, what, what does that mean? And it said, rebuild it. 
build it better this time. And I was yeah. like, uh, okay. And then, so I was flying over LA and it was just like a giant concrete jungle. So I just like, basically like for, oh, this only lasted like maybe a minute and a half this time, like very, very short time. But I just started just like, all of a sudden it was almost like I could visualize and I just like made it into like a reforested the whole thing and like took like out like everything and just was reforcing the thing. And then all of a sudden I got interrupted and I couldn't get it back. I couldn't figure out how to, to do it. But it's, I, I, I resonate with that whole, like, well, maybe, maybe we did create this mess at some part. And there's no doubt about that. We were part of it, you know? I think if we think that we came here pure from uh, another star system or another dimension and we didn't have anything to do with it down here and we're, and we're here to come in and help, that's all ego. For me, that is all ego. I think I'm here because, first of all, I need to be and I wanted to come in, but also because I'm experiencing what I may have created thousands of lifetimes mm-hmm. and I have the experience and the knowledge and the evolution to know I can do a whole lot better. Because this is not this is not the earth that I want to live on. It's not the earth I want children to live on. Um, it just isn't. It's it's time to purify. And Earth's purified many times and many times in very drastic ways. You know the whole yeah, uh, like shit, you know where everything is just wiped out and it takes you know a million years to clean it up and start all over again. But I don't think we have to do that because the technology to do that is here it's simply not being brought out by a group of very dark souls who control it and i think you know if we can clean up the dark souls that are holding back so much technology that could be truly helping the masses the earth the animals the plants um, we won't have to go through that drastic change i just hope that we can do that. I hope that it comes out soon, that more and more of this technology will come out that will help us so that we don't keep suffering. And and I do think it's important to, when new technologies come out, jump on that bandwagon. You be like, be the, be the change you want to see. Like, you know, you actually participate in making it better, like physically with your hands, like participate in that. I think like, I, you know, like, um, I don't know, like I've been researching a bunch of plastic recycling things for a while. And I mean, I definitely think within the next like year or two, like I'll, I'm going to be actively involved in that. Like that, first, I have like an environmental streak in me where I definitely want to clean Gaia, uh, or the actual earth. I have, right. that's I have, part of the purification again, right there. Yeah. Is that you're okay. part of a, of a new group of star seeds, uh, coming in on the planet who are coming in with that new vision of an, of a new earth. That's a clean earth. If the environment is clean, we're clean. If we're clean on the inside, we're clean on the outside. If our thoughts are not good, you know, we manifest that on the outside. Uh, it, everything is so inextricably connected, you know, that we, that we don't see so much of what's going on or what we've created. You know, now uh, at my age, I can look back and see maybe a decision I made back at 25, 26, 27, that absolutely at that time, I wouldn't think would have done anything or changed anything. I was just very much impulsive in the moment, young. 
And now I look back and I go, that one decision changed my whole life, either for the good or the bad. So, you know, they, everything that we do, every intention, every thought, every action uh, has its consequences. And people don't understand that quite often, but it does. It does. So, so give us, give us a, uh, a tip like um, on like, uh, like a, a thing we can do with like um, Sage, for instance. Okay. So, I mean, we, we know basically from the native people here, but then um, the indigenous people from all over the world, whether you go to India or you go to Tibet, lone shamanism, um, or, or the Jains, or you can go down to South America to the Peruvians, the Incans, the Aztecs, they all use plants or they use wood or they use resins that are saps from trees. And they do a burning process with those. You always have that fire element that's involved with the plant element. And then the smoke is really the essential oils that are in the plant. And those essential oils are being released through the smoke. We get to smell it. Uh, we get to inhale it. We get to take all of it into our body, which is cleansing the inside of the body. But the vibration of the area changes very quickly when we start burning these plants that we know have been used for thousands of years as purifiers. So um, even though it seems like it's such a small little thing, because so many times I have people like go, oh, what do you mean? You just, you just burn this plant and everything changes immediately. And it was like, oh no, it's not that easy. It's a starting point. You know, it's a point in which you have made an intention that you want to change something. Um, you want to clean something up, inwards and outwards. So bringing in a plant and burning a plant, resin, wood, or anything, is you making an intention and a focus point that from this point through my ceremony, I want to create a different space. And you do create a different space. You literally do through the vibration of a burning plant and through your intention, you literally created like a little alternate reality, whether you're in a sweat lodge or whether you're in a prayer circle or whether it's just you and your home, you've created now a whole new vibrational space through those plants. And they're very specific plants. You know, it's not just going to be anything. It's not going to be the salvias that you use to season your food. These are like Salvia apiana, which is a white sage, or Artemisia tridentata, which is the New Mexican desert sage, or your Palo Santos, or your frankincense and myrrhs, and you can go on and on. They just come from different areas because the shamans or the medicine people in those areas use their indigenous plants. I'm from New Mexico, so I want to use my indigenous plant, which is the Artemisia that is out here. And I think that's important. I really do, because the plant is this environment. It lives in the soil. It lives in the environment. It, it's used to the vibrations of what's going on. So for me, I get very plant specific. If you live in a city and you don't have that around you, it's still better to do something than nothing at all. So then go to your own vibration, find out what you vibe with. If it's white sage, use white sage. It's so funny because I, I love the New Mexican state. Yeah. So it's whatever you feel comfortable with. I use the sage because I've built that up as my major plant ally. So I think by creating that space and making your intention very specific, 
And if you're a prayer person, then you can do your, your prayers after you have smudged your home or smudged your area. And lots of people get into, you know, very detailed technical things as well, how do you do it? And do you use a feather or not? And do you say certain things or do you not say certain things? And that's gotten very, in my opinion, very confused because you can go online and you can find a thousand different ways in which to smudge. When I've been with indigenous people, it, it's really simple. You don't have a lot of the new age things that have been brought into it. It is real, real simple. It's so simple that, you know, you can go out and you can cut your sage and you can let it dry for a couple of days and you crumble it up and you can burn it on a flat rock. You don't have to use a shell, but some people want to use a shell. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my teacher, uh, Elton just used a stone and he carried some dry sage around in a pouch and he would just bring some out and put it down. He'd light it up and he'd feather me off. He'd say a prayer, but it was real simple. It wasn't, he, he would tell me, don't get caught up in all the, these technicalities. He said, what's going to be important is, do you respect the plant? Did you go harvest the plant, Wendy? I said, yes, I did. But I have the ability to, because I'm in it. And again, I know people that are in the city don't have that ability. But if you do, it's real important to go out and get your own because you're building a relationship with the plant and you're honoring it. And you know how you've harvested it and you know the area that it's come from. Is it a clean area? Um, so th there's a lot that I can get involved in, but I don't want to bring that forward here because I think it's really important first that if people want to do this cleansing, this purification, pick the plant that you resonate to first Make sure your intention, very specific about what it is and make sure you're in a loving space. Uh, even if maybe you don't like yourself so much and you want to clean yourself or your environment or you're upset with somebody, sure, acknowledge that. But come to the ceremony with a loving intention uh, so that you can get the help from the plant and you can get the help from other spirits that are coming into the room and, and there to help you or your guides. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a book, it's called Sacred Sage, How It Heals, and it's been on the market, oh, for well over 22 years. And it was the very first, it's just a little green pamphlet, about 25 pages long, but it was the first time that anything had been brought out, written uh, specifically about sage in the smudging ceremony. And I, I only did that uh, for one reason, and that was because... At the time, I had a Native American trading post, and I had sage there that I would harvest, and I would bring it in, and we would use it uh, during classes or to smudge the shop, and people would come in and say, what's that smell, and what is it, and everything. So then we would tell them what it was about. And my employees would say, we're so tired of telling everybody verbally what to do. Could you just write something? <laughs> so first, it was just a one piece of paper. And then, of course, people would read that, and then they'd have more questions. So then they said, you're going to, can you do a little more? So then I did a little bit more. And then finally, I just said, okay, I'm just going to write what I know, what I've gotten from the plant so far, what I've gotten from my teacher so far, and I'll just write it in a pamphlet. So I did that. Uh, and then they, we, we would Xerox it on paper and staple it, and we were handing it out. So then once again, it, keep, it kept evolving. And finally they said, you know, you should just make this into a book. 
So I said, well, okay, I'll do that. So then I made it into this pamphlet. And um, it is, this is how certain things are just meant to be and how I know that part of my process for coming back in is about purifying people and places and things and the world and helping this ascension process through the purification process because of how difficult it was for me to get this little booklet out. It, I can't do what I went through because first I just wasn't interested in writing it or even going there, but I had the support of my employees. And then when I actually had it, I didn't know anything about publishing. Uh, I really had no desire. That's a wanderer thing. You know, it's like I really didn't have any desire to be anybody or go anywhere or be an author or do anything. It was just like, eh, yeah, it's not important. Uh, so I had it, but I didn't have the money to publish it myself. And I didn't, I just didn't even want to go anywhere with it. So uh, what ended up happening is that I started getting checks in the mail from an undisclosed person. And they came every single month for a process of a year. There was no return address. It was just a check coming from a bank, from somebody. I had no idea. I actually didn't even cash the checks because I was scared. I couldn't figure out why someone was sending me money and I, I didn't know who it was. So eventually what ended up happening is one day there was a return address on the envelope. And I went to that return address and I knocked on the door. And I, you know, I said, I, I'm getting checks from this place who lives here. And it was uh, down on the college campus um, in Virginia, down in Richmond, Virginia. And somebody said, oh, this is like a group house for all students at the university. And I said, well, can you tell me who lives here? So they gave me the names and one name stuck out. And that name was from a young man. I'm not gonna say the name because he was a young kid, had literally broken into my jewelry store or my trading post, retail store, and stolen from me. And they uh, apparently, at some point in time, I called the police, they came, they did a report, got this guy, and identified some of the things that he had as coming from me, but they never told me. The Richmond police never came back to me to return my goods or even tell me that they had found this kid. Well, what they did is they made this kid go to a certain program because it was his first defense, and part of the program was he had to repay me. So that's what was coming back. The money coming back wow. to what he had stolen from me, which was exactly what I needed to do my first printing of Sacred Sage, How It Heals. So when I came back and I was telling my employees in the story, you're not going to believe this now. I know where these checks are coming from. They were like, wow, that must be karma, man. <laughs> yeah, talk about purifying, you know. There was a whole purification process going on before the book even, you know, went out. So right away, I ran down to a printing company and I said, this is what I want to do. And they said, great, but first you got to get this, you know, set up in a certain way. So go back and find somebody who knows how to, 
you know, put this together on the computer. Computers were new and, you know, I was like, what, where do I go? Went back to the university and they said, oh yeah, we got a lot of computer kids here. They it's can get this all set up for you. And then you just take it and give it to the printing company. So I just self-published and self-printed and I took all that money and put it into, I think I was able to publish like about 5,000 of those little pamphlets. And then I had no idea how to get rid of them, none. But I just, I just kept doing this. It's like something just kept pushing me forward. Uh, so then I went back over to the New Age Bookshop and I asked them, I said, does anybody over here know how I get a book uh, distributed? How do I, I said, it's published, but I don't know how to get it out in the world. And they said, oh yeah, there's like book distributors. So they gave me the names of book distributors. So the first one that I went to, which is one of the largest, a woman wrote me a letter back and she said, I absolutely will not carry this. And she said, um, <clears throat> only Native American people should be talking about herbs and only Native American people should be writing about this topic. So me being who I am and who my soul is, I was like, wow, where does she come up with that? I mean, everybody, everybody right. needs plants, vegetables, fruits, everybody on planet Earth uses these. It doesn't belong to anybody. <clears throat> it's not owned by anybody. I respect the tradition, but this is not resonating to me. So it didn't get distributed. Uh, a year later, I sent it back in. Same letter came back again. Another year later, I sent it back in. Three years, I kept getting inner, inward pushed, keep trying, keep trying. But it's like it was too soon. People didn't get sage, they didn't know what to do with it. It was like, even if I had gotten it out there, it wouldn't have made an imp because the time wasn't right. I was ahead of myself. The fourth time uh, I sent it in, it wasn't that woman. And what ended up was that she was just a buyer for a certain department that they had put my book in. And so she as the buyer, as an individual person was saying, I won't carry it. And she had the ability to do that. So then um, I got a letter directly from the distribution company and they said, we've always wanted to carry this book. So, you know, send us a hundred volumes and we'll see what we can do with it. So that's literally how this book got out on the market. Uh, and then I won a couple awards for it um COVR awards at some of the distribution get-togethers and it took off and it became uh, it was on the bestseller list 10 top sellers oh god for at least 10 or 15 years and it's still widely bought and widely sold yeah i i've seen it at like uh when I was in Wyoming, just at some rock shop or jewelry shop, I remember like taking a picture and going like, Wendy, I see your book here. I, I, yeah. I, and I, and I saw it. At, yeah. I saw it. At, um, uh, Mesa Verde's gift shop. Yes. You're absolutely right. Yeah. And that, that comes from, it's called Western National Park Association. So it's a group that buy books for different uh, national parks and put them in the bookstores. So it's, it's a very interesting saga. I mean, that, that happened way back in the 80s. And so here it is, 2019, and I'm selling more than I ever had before. So, you know, was I supposed to do that? Absolutely. Was it easy? Absolutely not. I'm sure many people would have given up. 
long before I did, but it was always an inner push that just made me keep going out. And I had no attachment to what was going to happen. You know, I right. was shocked when I got a letter and they said, okay, yeah, we want it. We'll take it. I was like, what? You're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know. <laughs> so it was, a, it was definitely part of my mission. Very, very cool. And what, what about, um, what, I, I want you to write one on crystals because like that's another convoluted like yes. subject that has like, I mean, the literature on that is very uh, just, there's nothing cohesive about it. No. And it's, you know, that's what happens in a cusp period. When the, when the old is not working anymore and the new is struggling to come in, we, we get that. We get the old people wanting to hang on to what they've got and the new people trying to bring this information in. And so everything gets convoluted and we're living in a very convoluted time period right now. We say that on our own lives and the lives of everybody else. So we just have to know that that's going to happen. Uh, and it's okay. It's all part of the natural evolution and, and cleansing process. And what it, what that does, what the convolution does really is it pushes you into learning about discernment. Uh, in your life in making very discerning decisions and not making any decision quickly. Anytime I have to make a, a really important decision, I go by my 24 hour rule. I'm not going to, even if I want to say yes or no right away, I simply won't do it anymore. I'm going to give it 24 hours to really cook so that mm -hmm. I'm very sure. And, and my discernment is not changing. My mind isn't changing. It's like, I knew it 24 hours ago, I know it now, so now I can make my decision. But uh, discernment's a big word in my life right now about you know, how we make our decisions and how we go about our daily life. That's it's probably um, a very good role because I, I know for my own self, like uh, 24 hours can do a, a big flip for me. I mean, yeah. yeah. It really can, it really can. Because sometimes, you know, you're so glad you didn't say what you were going to say <laughs> within that 24-hour period. What did you ask me? Oh, I don't know I, if I answered. I was just saying, like, I want you to write the book on crystals. Like, Oh, about you know. crystals. Yeah. I, I probably won't do that because, <laughs> you know, I feel very focused on what I'm supposed to be doing now. And part of it really is the disclosure, you know, on, on any level. Well, it's, a, it's the disclosure of bringing in the light, bringing in the truth, talking to people, you, anybody that will listen to me. And I'm very discerning about who I'm going to talk to. Um, what I am so excited about is I started to notice that a lot of people um, who were on the disclosure movement or who were on this movement of crimes to humanity we're not saying anything at all. They knew about it, they read it, they were researched, but they wouldn't talk about it because they're topics that are really poo-pooed or the majority of the people will shut you down right away because they don't want to hear about it. They absolutely are in denial. They don't want to hear about crimes to humanity because uh, it takes you into some very deep, dark tunnels that people don't want to go into at all. So they shut you down, which is how the dark side wins, yay. So uh, what I really started noticing now is that more of, more of these light workers that are working in these areas are talking about it. And I was so happy about it because I finally 
had to bring it up to a group of people who I kind of see on a regular basis. And I just touched the topic and they all disappeared pretty quickly. And then I was in another situation the other day where a woman said something to this gentleman and he came right back at her. And he said, that's not how I see it. And he came forward with his profound truth in a, in a particular area, which I won't get into because it's controversial. Uh, but it was obvious that he had his facts in a row and he absolutely was not going to sit quiet anymore because if we're quiet, the truth doesn't get out. If we're quiet, the light doesn't get out. We have to educate people. And, you know, and if you educate yourself first and you have a good foundation to stand on, then why not start talking and why not open up? And that's a wanderer's job. I mean, and I, and I noticed like maybe even like when I first started doing heavy research into the disclosure stuff and everything, probably, probably about four or five years ago, really strongly the last three years. And, uh, people, you would have a lot of, I guess you call them trolls or something online. You would have a lot of people like being like this, this lady's delusional or this thing's crazy or this, I mean, you just have comments like that would be in the comment section all over. Like, and it didn't matter which like social media platform you were on. Uh, and I don't see that anymore. Like I, I see if someone makes like a comment like that, you have people attack them. They like, yeah. you know, and I, I'm really enjoying that movement. Like that people are start like, like we're all craving, like what is, what's going on here? Really? Like, right. you know, um, like, I guess I, I started looking into the 5G thing recently. Yeah. And uh, even even just like the net neutrality and how that got passed and le like a lot of stuff, you're kind of going like, wait, what? Like, I, I don't know how many petitions I signed against it, like when it was going on. And, um, and then you're kind of going like, wait, so they're doing zero background research into any of this and they're just putting it into it without any will and you're, it, people aren't, aren't going quietly this time. Like, like it's yeah. starting, like people are starting, the rumble is starting. And I even saw like today that the, uh, the FCC is like getting is maybe, I mean, people are starting to talk about how, wait, what, what, what is this FCC? Like there, this is a corrupt, this is a corrupt um, agency. This needs to be overhauled in general. And they're talking about overhauling that, like that's that in itself is amazing. Right. You know, because they're the ones who are, you know, happening. you know, it's all bubbling up and it's going to, it's still going to take years for a lot to happen. But maybe by the time you're my age, you'll have a whole new world to live in. And I hope that you do. I hope that you don't have to go through uh, the madness that I feel like I've gone through in my lifetime because I care and because I was willing to stand up and do stuff. I could have chosen a different life. Uh, but I didn't. It's it's not who I am. So why would I? You know, I wouldn't have been happy. I wouldn't have been happy. Uh, typical housewife. I don't. I don't think you're going to get much older, Wendy. I think you're going to de-age. You're going to start. We're going to be the same age at some point. You're going to like everybody's going to. They're going to figure it out. We're going to figure out how to. Oh, it's totally possible. It's totally possible. You know, we yeah. just, uh, we have to get all that out to the public. Rejuvenate your DNA and everything. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, Emory Smith was talking about, like, the, um, the stem cell stuff, remember? And, like, uh, so then I, like, looked into that one program, or there's a place in Florida that's doing it with, like, your fat yeah. cells. But then yeah. there's another place that's doing it with, um, like, oh, the stem cell therapy. 
the stem cell therapy in um, Panama, there's one that they're that that they're doing that is actually using um, umbilical cords, which is not like aborted baby fetuses. It's, I, I mean, like they have like there's it's just the umbilical cords that they throw away anyway, and they're using stem cells from that. And I I'm kind of like looking into this, going like, hmm. Maybe I should do that instead of buy a house or no, I I mean, maybe, I I don't know, but I'm just kind of going like, Ooh, maybe I should do that to stay young forever. I don't know. I'm just saying like, there's going to be stuff that's going to come out that is going to continue to progress us medically, I think. But, you know, let's, let's have it all come out in a good way. You know, let's have it come out in the light rather than the darkness. Very true. Because it can all come out in a bad way too. So, you know, we want to, we want it to be in the hands of the right people. And so that it, it is actually there for everyone. It's like free energy. You know, we could have had free energy a long time ago. Tesla created it. He'd, he had no desire to make money off of it. He didn't even care that they stole the patents from him. He just was on a mission to get it out. Unfortunately, it fell in the hands of a few people and a lot of the dark projects. Um, and so they got to use it. It didn't, it didn't go to the masses so that we can have free energy. Uh, but Emory Smith talks about something that I think he has actually created himself. It's a little box that could be put in everybody's houses for free energy. You know, so this stuff is there. It's there. It's just a matter of getting this dark group of a few people at the top who don't want us to have this, you know, and find a way to change their opinion so that we get it or so change what's, what, what's your um i guess like what's your best method of dealing with with those kinds of um yeah i don't know whatever you call it like i mean like what like how do you how do you think the cabal is going to fall or whatever like what what are i don't even know if that's the, the right wording by, bringing, call it, but. by simply bringing out the truth that they exist who they are what they've done and I think the masses will completely uh, demand that this be taken care of. But right now, the masses don't know about it. People don't know about it. It's such a small group of people who are reading and researching or even know what the word cabal is. I mean, no one in my family knew what cabal meant, you know, until I started talking about it. Uh, and it was difficult for them to follow me because they're going to sit and watch the, you know, news station every day and they feel like the news is the news nothing is above the news and what they're getting is the truth that's not what i see you know i i got rid of my tv i don't even have a tv at all anymore don't want it it's it's got to be i'm going to read about it or i'm going to have personal experience about it or maybe i'll research it online with a lot of different viewpoints but i won't watch national news it's all syndicated. It's all owned by the same group of people. It's all ruled by the cabal. I tried to write an article for my own little local newspaper, and they wouldn't accept it. And I called and I said, did you have to send that to somebody else? And they did. And they said, oh, well, our newspaper is owned by this newspaper, which is owned oh, by wow. this newspaper. So the control of what is being in print goes that high up and that far down you know and i live in a town of about oh maybe twenty thousand people and yet what i wanted to write about was too controversial to put in there i am surprised that youtube is still like 
you know, like hasn't been complete, like all these channels haven't been completely shut down. Now channels get shut down all the time, but, uh, I, I do find YouTube to be like one of my greatest, um, resources, which is interesting, but, and, you know, uh, as well as like podcasts and some other stuff, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, 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 it's much more like individual, like, um, blogs and videos and things like that than it is like I'm, I'm, I haven't read mainstream news in three years like maybe even three and a half now at this point and it makes you so much happier by the way oh it it, it truly does I, I feel like that was part of my mental purification and my mental cleansing was to get rid of the tv and I thought you know there's uh there's an urgency that I think a lot of starseeds and wanderers feel right from the time they're born that there's an urgency that they don't have a lot of time to go off you know I got to do this this is my mission I only have so many years in this lifetime to get it done and I've always had that urgency and it was like if I have this tv here and I'm spending hours just on it for enjoyment or I think that I'm on it to relax and clear my head and it's like oh my god I'm just being programmed I'm just being programmed mm -hmm. so uh I thought I to clear myself mentally and to get this electric box out of my house, I got rid of it. And I thought it would be hard and it wasn't at all. It wasn't yeah. at all. I, I filled my time up with reading what I wanted to read and being selective about, you know. Oh yeah. I mean, I, 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 I definitely, I haven't had a TV since, well, I've never owned one personally. Um, I've only ever like, you know, like uh, be one in, and in, in the house I'm in or whatever, but like, I, I guess like I watched a ton of TV as a kid. And then, um, when I turned the ninth grade, like they took cable away from us and I was like, well, if they took cable away, then there's nothing to watch. I'm not watching TV at all, mom. I'm just going to boycott it. And then she's like, okay, well, joke's on you then. And uh, yeah, and I just never got back into it. So I, I mean, for well, me, fun is researching on my computer. Like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I would agree with you. I think that's, uh, that's a good way to go. And I you like get the movies movie. sometimes, but then they get to be the same formula. Everything seems to be the same storyline. And then, I mean, what I, from what I see on TV, it's like our society is fascinated with, um, forensics and death of like you know i mean it's in a way that's yeah these crime shows and not you're kind of going like how how many very like you've done more shows and there's been murders about right. these things you know and then like or there's like lawyer or doctor shows it's like i don't care about like these fake lawyer um sitcoms or these like fake doctor dramas or or these like CSI type, it's the most bizarre obsession that we have with this stuff. And it, it's really like, we're obsessed with murderers. It is. And I think, I think what they're trying to program in us is uh, a lack of respect for life. Because once yeah. you start seeing so many people killed, stabbed, murdered uh, over and over and over and over and over again, it's kind of like, oh, well. sensitizes okay. you. Yeah, it desensitizes your right to, you know, everybody's right to have a life here on earth, a good life, you know, an enjoyable life, which I think probably at one time we all got to experience and we certainly experienced it in our, in our own 
home systems, planets, dimensions, wherever. I mean, I, I really truly have a very good remembrance of living uh, in a space where love, the word love, was not at all interpreted the way we interpret it here in the third dimension. Mm. It was very different. It was very, very, very different. Um, I used well, to tell people, I don't think we as human beings here in third dimension have any idea what love truly is. We're trying to come up with uh, an interpretation of what we think it is. And a lot of that is based on what do we see in TV? What do we see in books? What is, what is this, uh, this thing that's out there that's trying to control us and tell us this is what love is? that, you know, sex is love. No, mm -hmm. it, it, it isn't, you know, or uh, being a husband who wants to give his wife everything in the material world. Oh, that's love. No, that's, that's, that's not love either. Or vice versa, the wife giving the husband everything else. Or a parent trying to do everything for the child, uh, trying to make the life easy for the child. Uh, that's not helping the child. The child has no experience. And when it's time for the child to leave, doesn't have any idea how to do anything or how to take care of itself or how to make decisions. I mean, I know this is crazy, but like I, I have this one past life memory where um, it's a Syrian one where I, I don't, there wasn't like coupledom. There wasn't like a gender. You were just like the being, like we were genderless beings. Right. So, that's what I remember. It was totally genderless. Yeah. And it was, and it wasn't like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but it was, it was definitely, I remember this, this being like, we didn't have the, the roles and the duality that you have here. Like it just didn't exist. Right. And it was very community. I remember being very community oriented. Everybody was family. Mm -hmm. And I Everybody. remember parenting was different. It, it was like, I remember it was kind of like, it wasn't like, I am your parent. It was like, right. oh, it was like, oh, like we, we, we mentor you into adult, like everybody even saw like a new beings as sovereign yeah. voice, right. which we, we don't treat children or any, or, or having children like that. We, we like want them to be us extensions of us and exactly. like have this like expectation of that you know they they'll 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 make us proud or something you know yeah, yeah. no that's not there and uh you know elders have always been really important to me uh which you see in a lot of the indigenous societies you know the the elders are not dismissed or thrown out or put into homes they're just extensions of the family and they're mm -hmm. you know they're taken care of um all the way through elderhood. Uh, and you don't see that anymore in so much of our society where elders are, you know, as long as they, if they can't take care of themselves, that's it. Family and kids. Oh, I mean, the way our society is currently, it's just broken. It, it's so clinical. It's just like, you know, you, you live in your isolated little box and you drive in your isolated little Faraday cage on your way to your isolated little place where you're all crammed in together like rats in a cage and you don't look at each other and then you do this for you know, 50 years until you can retire and go on three vacations and then go to an old folks home where you can be isolated in your own little room and somebody right. can be paid to change your diaper. The whole thing is just really just very it's clinical. Cool. Yeah. And you know. see, you know, we're all realizing this, that the, the, that's why these new paradigms are coming in. 
what we've experienced for the last 25,000 years, we've outgrown it now. It's time to change the paradigm. You know, the new generations coming in are going to do that. Technology is going to do that. Mm. Um, technology already is way far advanced than our spiritual experiences. We're, we're, we're way behind in our spiritual or moral or ethical growth. That's oh, heck, we're, we, we have, we have more, a majority of people don't even think there is a spirit. So, right. I mean, you're, yeah, we're right. way behind on that. Yeah. But I mean, like that's, that's their own prerogative. That's their own like journey too. Like you can't, can't force anybody to realize anything. It's a. Uh, no, no, that's, that's a, uh, that's a very good point. I don't think anybody should feel like they George, need to force uh, people. Yeah. You know, if they are run you know, run real fast. <laughs> you will always outgrow your teacher and your guru. And when you have, that's when you know you need to, you, you need to go. You really do need to go, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, they've done their job. You know, as a, as a shamanistic practitioner, I don't want to create anybody who becomes dependent upon me. You know, I am here to support their growth and push them out. That's, then I've done my job. My job is not to create uh, fans or students or people who never, uh, they never heal. They're, they're always here. They're always, they're always sick. I'm not doing my job, but that's happening. I should be thrown out of the trot if I uh, continuously have to work with somebody. I'm obviously not doing my job. So, you know, it's, I saw that with my own teachers when it's time to leave. Some told me it's time to leave because I got, you know, attached. And then mm. I realized the importance of that. Oh, they were right. I stopped my learning because I became attached. So then it's, it's time to go. Yeah. That, and that, that does make a lot of sense. Cause it's like everybody offers tools and like, you know, you need tools to fix your house, but you, you're going to have a, you know, a roof and a walls and you're gonna have all different things that build this house that is you. So you need different tools for different things. So you got to collect that as you go on, you know, and uh, I also kind of feel like, um, you know, uh, uh, sometimes teachers, I think uh, they can, like, they, they get an ego boost out of getting the praise and the yeah. sucking, you know, so it's like really, it's not, I, I have to always like, you know, we're like, you don't need anybody else's validation. You really don't. Like I actually had to write that on my computer, on my computer, like an eyeliner at the top of my computer for a, lot, a long time, because it's like, like, especially when I would start noticing if like, I, I don't know, I was just liking the praise I was getting from somebody or something. I'd be like, okay, Hey, you know, that, that shouldn't. You don't yeah. seek outside validation in any way. It's like, it doesn't really help you much. Good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's all part of our growth. You know, it, it's, yeah, it always feels good. But if you take it seriously and then it's all of a sudden it's something that you want, need, or demand, uh, you're not, you're not helping anybody by being like that at all. The best teachers and the best shamans and healers are those that go in and they do their job and they leave. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome. I think that's a good place to wrap it up, Miss Wendy. Okay. Thank you very much. Thoroughly enjoyed seeing you again and talking with you. Me, me too. Um, 
so yeah, you guys, um, like subscribe, uh, push that little bell button, all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, cool. All right. Later. Bye. Bye.